Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Water Cooler Genius! <laughs> How is that for an intro for you? You are listening to Water Cooler Genius. I am your host, Chadwick Burks. And, uh, you know, this is episode one. And you know what episode one means. Episode one means that we are here at Water Cooler Genius to entertain, to enlighten, to enthrall, to entrance, to inform, intellectualize. Uh, let's see. Is there any other kind of I-sounding words I could think of? What about, like, uh, in vitro? Well, that's good. Endometriosis. Investigate. How about inaudibly? Oh, I don't know. I know. I got. It. I got it. Inconceivable. <laughs> Seriously, uh, I'm very glad you're here. This is episode one, and if you were listening to any other podcast other than this on episode one, of course, what you would be getting is, um, "Hi, yeah, you know, we're really, really excited about this. Uh, this is our first episode, and uh, there are just so many things here that." I'm really looking forward to bringing you in the show, and, uh, you know, it, 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 I'm just really glad to have finally moved on out of out of mom's basement and made my lifelong dream here of, of oh, wait, hold on, I'm sorry, oh, ooh, ooh, sorry, of, uh, of, you know, doing my own podcast, and you can expect nothing but the best here forward. Yeah, yeah, see, we don't play like that. Here on Water Cooler Genius, I'm going to promise you a few things that you're going to get every single show. There's a point. There's a reason you want to listen to the show, right? Every show, I'm going to give you really cool, interesting information that you didn't know before, and it will make you the genius of the water cooler. And some of you may say, well, you know, Chadwick, which that would be my name, so that's why that works. What if, pray tell, I don't have quote-unquote water cooler, nor do I frequent a water cooler? Well, this will work for you at Starbucks, or should I say these days, Dutch Brothers. Uh, this will work for you at your local pub, bar, place you get back blackout drunk at, you know, about, uh, what, 10 a.m.? This will work for you with your friends, Facebook, show up on social media. It's just a good time. Fun stuff, good info, a good time. So there you have it. Not only will you get that info on every show, but I'm also going to provide for you a little fun fact of the day, something easy that you can take with you at the very end of the show to show off to your friends, and three, count them, three easy-to-remember, horrible, corny, dad-style jokes that you too can use to show off to your friends, family, police officers that stop you, you know, whatever, I, I don't know, however you want to do it. So that's what you got coming down the pipe. Each show's going to be around 30 minutes long, you know, not too taxing your time, I think you'll dig it, but the main thing is spread the word, share if you like this, if you don't like it, share too. I'm going back to the old philosophy of there's no such thing as bad publicity. So what's on tap for today, you may ask, which I guess you may ask that and hopefully you did, but what I'm thinking, which is usually frightening, is that today, let's talk about Really weird, creepy, bizarre coincidences. And this is the kind of stuff that I just love. And I've picked out three of like some coincidence type things that you go, no, there's no way that can be true. There's no way that's true. But it's true. And I really study these. I like this serendipitous thing. 
things where things just just fall into place. So I've picked three of my favorite ones that exist in books. And you're going, oh boy, that sounds really fun. Book coincidences. No, 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 but it's not like that. These are things that happen in books where it was totally fiction, just pulled out of the air. The author just created fiction, and then fiction became reality in like the creepiest of ways. So I really think you're going to dig this. So we'll go through that. But before we get started, I'm going to give you your first joke of the day. So take out your pen and paper, get ready to write this down, get your hammer and chisel, because this is going to be gold right here. I'm quite certain of it. But uh, anyway, so here you go. You ready? If I had a drum roll, this would be amazing. Maybe I'll add some drum roll in in editing. So if you hear a drum roll right now, it means I put it in editing, which is amazing too, because like it means I actually got the podcast edited, which is great for episode one. Otherwise, you wouldn't hear it at all, so that really made no sense. But uh, we know how well the last famous episode one worked out. <laughs> oh, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, here's your joke. You ready? Yesterday, I gave away all of my dead batteries. Eh, free of charge. That's where the crickets would probably go if I remembered to put that in there. <laughs> so you could say it, you know, multiple ways, but you no, know, I gave away all my dead batteries today, free of charge. And there's your crappy joke number one. Okay, so out of my top three uh, coincidence storybook type things, there's an author that I'm sure you're familiar with, even if you didn't pay attention in school, which most of us didn't, by the name of Edgar Allan Poe. And yes, that's the raven guy, you know, right, nevermore, right, right, which would be more of a parrot, I guess, than a raven, but uh, you get the idea. You wrote the Telltale Heart, um, Cask of Amontillado, of course, the raven, which he's most famous for, Annabelle Lee, one of my personal favorites, and uh, a lot of those really, really pit in the pendulum, a lot of those really creepy stories. So he wrote mostly poems and short stories. And in fact, he only wrote one full-length novel, and people don't realize this, but now you realize it because you're a genius. But he only wrote one novel, and he wrote a novel which was published in 1838. Uh, the name of the novel was The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. Boy, there's a title that just grabs you, right? I mean, what an amazing uh, title there that Poe cranks out. But anywho, this book was a commercial flop. Yeah, didn't do so well. And in fact, in a very Monty Python-esque way, uh, Mr. Poe even referred to his own book as a very silly book. And I can't say anything that's very silly without having like a John Cleese voice in my head, but it was a very silly book. So the book bombed, was not that great commercially, although it did inspire a couple of other writers that... Uh, you may have heard of uh, one being one, perhaps Jules Verne, <laughs> and the other one being uh, Herman Melville. And you're like, who's Herman Melville? Come on, you got to remember this one, Moby Dick, right? So Moby Dick was actually inspired by this book of Edgar Allan Poe's that no one else really cared for. And uh, I know you know Moby Dick. That's the one that you just never read, but wrote a book report about when you were in school and just I mean, thought, yeah, the guy like fights a whale and... You know, stuff happens, and that's pretty much how it rolls. Um, so in Poe's book, which we'll just call the Pym book, in the Pym book, uh, the basic story is that there's a whaling ship. They're out at sea. The ship, the ship gets stranded, of course. I mean, you got to have some kind of conflict, right? 
And everyone on the whole ship dies except only four people. So there's four people left on the ship. And they run out of food. They start eating turtle meat. Run out of food. And so then what happens is they draw lots. The four people that are left, they actually draw lots, which for those of you who don't quite understand what draw lots are, going back to the Bible basically for this, uh, you know, throw dice basically. You can do some way, uh, draw straws. And they do that, and uh, except the price is kind of high because whoever loses gets eaten. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. You lose this, you get eaten. And the cabin boy by the name of Richard Parker in the book he loses, and they eat him to survive. So Richard Parker, the cabin boy, gets eaten in Edgar Allan Poe's book. And uh, not a great book, and uh, certainly not great for, for Richard Parker. You know, and, and, and Poe wrote this in, in 1838, right? So 1838. Now, 1884, we flash forward quite a long time. Um, there is a ship that's sailing from Southampton, England, to Sydney, Australia. Yeah, and uh, it's called the Mignonette. Um, so this ship's sailing out there, and I guess you might be able to see where this is going. So it's creepy enough as it is. Ship sank. There are very few people that survived the ship sinking. They basically stayed on the the hull of the ship, overturned. And um, what happened? Well, they're running out of food, so what do they do? Start eating turtle meat. Hmm. Sounds a little familiar. That's, you know, I mean, there's not a lot to eat out there, so we're going for turtles, right? And then they go, well, we've got to eat something other than turtle meat, so let's eat the cabin boy. Okay, now that's really creepy. That's exactly what happened in Poe's book. And just to kick it up one final notch, the cabin boy, who they did eat, was by the name of Richard Parker. So not only did Poe in his book, what, 40, 50 years prior, predict this whaling ship disaster, it sinks, they eat turtle meat to try to survive, they end up cannibalizing the cabin boy, but even the cabin boy's name, Richard Parker, nailed it exactly. Now that alone is pretty freaky, and this is only number three on the list, right? So the one thing, too, that I thought was kind of neat when you go back and look at it is the name of the ship was <laughs> Mignonette. And the first thing I thought of was like filet mignon. So Mignonette would be like little steak, kind of. So that's basically what Richard Parker was, as the cabin boy was a little steak. And then he got eaten. So, yeah, there you go. Off to a great start, aren't we? So here's your second joke to break up the tension, because that was pretty intense there. I can I can feel you through the wires, just shuddering and uh, thinking, should I really turn this off? Or no, you're not, because you want to keep listening to get to the great stuff. But anyway, here you go. Are you ready for this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? No, wait, hold on, let's do it right. Are you ready for this? Have you, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Um, so anyway, here's the joke. Can February March? No, but April May? Yeah. Perfect dad joke for you, number two. But um, even as dumb as you think that is, I guarantee one of you is going to get hammered and use that joke on someone. And then, uh, you know, think of me in your, in your drunken stupor. All right, moving on to number two. And this one is far, far creepier even than the one before. So, of course, we're all familiar with the sinking of the Titanic. And I'm talking about the historical event that happened not James Cameron playing around and swimming pools with Kate Winslet and 
Leonardo DiCaprio, which, by the way, that has always annoyed me to no end because that one shot there at the end where, you know, DiCaprio dies, there's so much room on that stupid door or whatever that she's laying on. They could have both easily fit on there, like without question. They could have both easily fit on there. But no, 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 no. Kate Winslet has got to be the... Well, I was going to say bitch, but I don't want to say bitch on this podcast, so I won't say that she was being a total bitch by taking up the, the whole door there. So that, that would be wrong. But she was just being a, a total not very nice person, laying there on the whole door, hogging it up so Leonardo DiCaprio could die. Oh, Jack, I'm going to be here forever as you die. But anyway... It, uh, just something to point out. If you watch Titanic again, notice that there. If you didn't before, it's like, wow, man, like four people could have fit on that. But uh, then they just want to see him die, which I personally have nothing, you know, nothing against Leonardo DiCaprio. Not really a huge fan either. So him dying there, I didn't really shed any tears. So we know the historical information about the sinking of the Titanic, but here's where things start to get frizzy, right? In 1898, a gentleman by the name of Morgan Robertson wrote a book called Futility, The Wreck of the Titan. And I'm sure you can kind of figure out, based on the title and the theme of this exact show, where we're going with this, right? Morgan's book was about, like, an amazing ship, like the finest first-class ship ever built, the most expensive ship of the time, and it was supposed to be unsinkable. Of course, those are all things that were ascribed to the Titanic, as we know. And not only that, but the name of his ship was the Titan. So if you're not seeing huge coincidences right out the gate, something's wrong with you, right? But we're looking at the Titan, unsinkable, like the finest ship, the most expensive, boom, 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 boom. And this is like 14 years prior to um, the sinking of the Titanic that this book came out. Again, Futility, The Wreck of the Titan, okay? So, spoiler alert, the Titanic sank killed a bunch of people. There weren't enough lifeboats and such. If you didn't know that, then I'm really, really, really concerned about the state of our educational system here in the United States. But anywho, let's start looking at some of the similarities between what Morgan described, Morgan Robertson. I call him Morgan because you know, I had a buddy named Morgan. So I like, yeah, my buddy Morgan there, right? But Mr. Robertson sounds a little creepy. So we'll just say uh, Robertson. How about that? So let's look at some of the similarities between Robertson's book and the actual historical event. And this is like makes, ladies, this will make the hair on your arms stand up. (laughs) I'm just warning you ahead of time, okay? (laughs) And remember, Robertson just made all of this up, right? 14 years before the event happened. So he just pulled this out of his brain, all right? Both of the ships were large steel ships. You're like, well, that's not that big of a deal, okay? Both, and again, this is a fictional ship versus the real-life ship. Both had three propeller propellers, well, I need to learn to talk, and two masts. Again, that's not that big of a deal. They had very, very similar tonnage, which is the weight, and very, very similar horsepower. Okay, well, yeah, now I'm I'm starting to see, yeah, that's getting pretty close. Still not great, still not creepy, but I'm like, yeah, I mean, to just construct a ship out of your brain from nowhere and put down the specifics and then it actually comes into reality, you know, 14 years later or whatever. Okay, I, I'm, I'm a little impressed so far. They were both around 800 feet long. I think uh, the 
Titanic was about 882 feet, and the uh, Titan was around 800 and change, right? They were both British-owned. That's a little weird detail, but uh, it's true. They were both built for about 3,000 passengers. Like, wow, okay, now it's getting really creepy. And uh, are you ready for, like, the, the home run here, like the big finish? Both sank from hitting an iceberg on the starboard side, in the North Atlantic, like, holy, you know what, around midnight in April. Yeah, I'm serious. So not only did he nail the exact description of the ship, what happened when the Titanic sunk, but it got down to the exact details of it sank from hitting an iceberg in the North Atlantic on the starboard side around midnight in April. Whoa. Yeah. Can it get a little freakier than that? A little bit. I mean, kind of the, one of the things in the uh, Titanic's problem was there were too few lifeboats, mm -hmm, right? Well, they, my buddy Morgan mentions that in his book, that there were too few lifeboats. In fact, he put down the number of the lifeboats and, uh, you know, he was a little more generous. He gave four more lifeboats. So uh, the Titanic actually had four more lifeboats. But it's like, are you serious? You got to the number of exact lifeboats within four? Oh, and just one more thing to be just, yeah, just why not ice the cake with this? The Titanic, it hit an iceberg 400 miles from Newfoundland, traveling at 22.5 knots, right? 400 miles from Newfoundland, 22.5 knots. Uh, Robertson's boat, the Titan, hit an iceberg 400 miles from Newfoundland at 24 knots. So nailed the exact spot of the accident, just missed the knots by 1.5. Now, not being a nautical man, I'm not quite sure that's a big deal or not. I'm going to guess it's not. <laughs> Didn't you like that? It, it, it's not. Uh, but that's pretty darn close for government work right there. So there you go. That's, wow. Yeah, there's your similarities for that one. And now this one, you know, this one, the next one we're going to do also is super creepy coincidental. But what's even weirder about this one is this next one, uh, has it screwed with the author's brain to such a level that it changed his life and possibly the course of human history. Or maybe it has actually given us the exact definition of what reality is really is, if reality can be real, which I'm hoping so. But this one is really weird. Okay, the author, you may know him, you may not, depends on how much, how, where your nerd quotient is. Philip K. Dick, science fiction author, pretty well-known science fiction author. In 1970, he published a book called Flow My Tears, The Policeman Said. Again, what's up with these titles for like the predictive books, really? I mean, Flow My Tears, The Policeman Said. Just doesn't really sound like that great of a title. But anywho, without giving you the whole plot, you don't really need to know the plot. Uh, in that book, there's a 19-year-old girl named Kathy. She has a husband named Jack. Um, she Everyone thinks she's a criminal. like she's, She looks like she's involved in criminal activity and whatnot. But in reality, she's actually working with the police, working with the cops. And... Um, she has kind of a relationship affair going on with a police inspector, right? Now, again, this is all just what, what Philip K. Dick made up for his book, for his character. 
19 year old police and blah, 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 police informant, you, however you want to say it, right? Kathy. So after the book's already written, it's completely done. Manuscripts there, the whole nine yards. I mean, this thing's done. Uh, Philip K. Dick runs into a gal that's um, uh, later down the line, right? And <laughs> I told you this gets weird. Starts talking to her, whatever. Anyway, she finds out not, she's 19 years old, okay? So she already matches the age of the girl in the story. Her name is Kathy, just like the girl in the story. Both spelled with a K, by the way, which is bizarre. Uh, their significant other is both named Jack. You're like, whoa, okay. Um, the real-life Kathy is a is a drug dealer, so she's involved in, in criminal activity. And in fact, Dick works with a long time to try to get her off of drugs in real life because they, they kind of develop a little bit of a friendship. And you're like, okay, that's whack. <laughs> Not only is she the criminal or what have you. Uh, and then they go... Um, they're going to walk into a restaurant one day in real life and they both start to walk in and she says, no, I can't go in. And she will not let them enter the restaurant. And he's like, well, well why, why can you not go in? Because there was a police inspector, um, like police captain that was in there and she was having an affair with him. So she couldn't be seen going into their restaurant. She didn't want him to see her. So Philip K. Dick writes a book about a 19 year old girl named Kathy, whose husband's named Jack, who appears to be a criminal, who's actually working with the police, and who's having an affair with a police inspector. And then months later, he meets a 19 year old girl named Kathy with a K, whose significant other is Jack, who actually appears to be a criminal, but's actually working with the police and has a relationship going on with the police inspector. This really blew Dick's mind. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he, 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 thought the coincidences were just, you know, off the charts, which obviously they are, and, and it kind of troubled him. And in fact, year, a couple years later, uh, he, he was talking to his priest about this, an Episcopal priest. Now, you know, Dick went to church, and he would talk to his priest to get some counseling and whatnot, but he, he was not overly religious person. He did not read the Bible very much, and some parts of the Bible never, actually. So he was talking to his priest about this, and um, he had another—he was talking about this scene— in his book, right? So uh, in his book, there's this character, same book. He has this character who's named Felix Buckman, right? And Felix Buck Buckman meets this black stranger at an all-night gas station, and they start talking about things, talking about life and everything. And uh, Philip K. Dick is relating this to his priest because he said that he just had a very, very similar situation. He met a man out in the middle of nowhere, a black guy. He goes and returns to the scene. They keep talking. I mean, it's a very, very similar situation. And the priest tells him, he says, you realize that like this exact story you're telling me is from the book of Acts in the Bible. And Dick is like, huh? He goes, no, the book of Acts. Like you're describing the verbatim pretty much a scene from the book of Acts. And Philip K. Dick had never read Acts. So this really started to intrigue him now and freak him out even more. So he started reading through the book, and then he figured out that um, in this scenario in the book of Acts, the the man who meets the black stranger on the road has the same name as him. His name is Philip in the book of Acts. And then in that same story, the high Roman official who arrests and interrogates St. Paul is named Felix which is not a very common name, as you can assume, especially not in, you know, 
Roman times, Felix, right? And so he had his character in this the same, this is all in the same book named Felix, who was a high-ranking police general, like the final authority. And the guy in the book of Acts, who's the high-ranking police authority, is also named Felix. And in fact, they even have a conversation in the book of Acts, which very closely resembles a conversation in Dick's book. So if this is hurting your brain, that's okay, because it hurts my brain too. Now, the reason this one's number one is because of what happened from this. So Dick, he can't wrap his mind around this, right? So he starts just thinking it through, thinking it through, thinking it through, and he finally comes to the conclusion, and he's written about this, which we'll talk about in a second, that he thinks time is an illusion now, and that he has somehow seen through this illusion. He doesn't know how, but he has somehow seen through this illusion of time, and he believes that we are all still actually existing in 50 AD. So we're all still actually existing in the year 50 AD, which is the time of the book of Acts. And that something or someone has created the concept of time to distract us from the fact that the Messiah is coming soon and his coming is inevitable. So these insane coincidences or whatever you want to call them, some people would call them God incidences, but has led Dick to believe that there is some force, whether it be the devil or something else, that has created time as an illusion for us to distract us and prevent us from the second coming of Jesus because we are all actually still living in 50 AD. That's where we live right now. And you're like, okay. And he, he published another book called How to Build a Universe That Doesn't Fall Apart Two Days Later. And that's kind of a collection of different stories and whatnot. But he, he goes into this theory quite a bit in there. And you're like, well... Um, I mean, it gets really, really deep. So any of you that are science fiction lovers, you should read this and, and listen to Dick's thoughts on this. Um, and then finally, in, he, uh, he had two impacted wisdom teeth removed. Philip K. Dick did, right? And he said once those two impacted wisdom teeth were removed, he started having visions. And he started writing a journal from this in around February or March of 1974. So he started journaling constantly after the removal of the wisdom teeth because he was having these visions. And uh, he, he said the removal of the wisdom teeth activated something in him, which is a cool word for you. Here's your word of the day, right? It's anamnesis. Not amnesia, but anamnesis, which is the Greek word that means a loss of forgetfulness. So instead of losing your memory you're losing your forgetfulness. So anamnesis, right? He had a state of this, which means he's remembering the truth. He's remembering that he is does really exist in 50 AD. He wrote all these things down. I mean, 8,000 pages by hand. He journaled 8,000 pages by hand with his thoughts on all of these things, uh, the meaning of life, the universe, and everything else. I'm pretty sure it's 42. I'm not positive, but anamnesis. If you're interested in that book, people have said that some, some people say it's the most genius thing ever written and that does hold the secret of the universe if you can figure it out. Some people say it's madness. But if you want to stick, stick your toe in that water, which I have not yet, but I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit intrigued, but um, you, can, you can find that. It was finally published. It was finally published um, in 2011, although rumors 
exists, that there's still pieces of it that are not. And it is called um, the exogenesis of Philip K. Dick. The exogenesis of Philip K. Dick. What the hell does exogenesis mean? Exogenesis? Exegesis? No, wait, not exogenesis. See, I screwed this all up. It's exegesis. <laughs> like Jesus, but Jesus. Like, holy Jesus. No. Exegesis of Philip K. Dick. And exegesis means the critical explanation or interpretation of a text, especially scripture. So that was published in 2011. Um, you want to have a trouble sleeping, that might be good, or you really want to just go ahead and kick it over the level of madness, like, I'm right there, I'm so close to going mad or insane, this may do it. Or it may unlock the key to your universe, I don't know. But there you have it. So there's three insane coincidences from literature that manifested in real life and turned out to just be like, holy smokes. So see, I promised you that, and I totally delivered on it. And, uh, I mean, we're coming to the end of the show here, so... I do owe you one more horrible joke to give, so here you go. And this one's really good for you Dutch Brothers guys or you you faux intellectuals. This is perfect for that, where you can sit, and, and what you do is you, you start talking about this Philip K. Dick stuff, or you start looking into looking into the journals, and, and you do all this, and so you have this really profound moment where everyone thinks you're being super serious, and you go, you ready? You go, last night I dreamed about drowning in an ocean of orange soda. And the person's going to look at you for a while, and they're either going to ask you a question or something, or they're just going to sit there like, what the hell did you just say? But then your response is, but don't worry, it was just a fantasy. You get that? Fantasy. Fanta, fanta, don't you want to, want fanta. See, that was amazing. That was amazing. I, I can tell. I mean, you're just, you guys are just, just eating it up out there. Well, here we go. Episode one, you know, wasn't the smoothest there is, wasn't the greatest there is, but I think you dug the info. It's in the books now. It's done. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to know the, the laziness factor as if there's sound effects and stuff when I go through and do the editing. But it only gets better from here, folks. So make sure you keep listening. You can find this on Facebook, which I would really, really, really appreciate you to do. Go on there and like that page and then share the link for the podcast. That's how it's going to get spread. That's how I'm going to be able to keep doing it. So go to Facebook, Water Cooler Genius, easy to find, Water Cooler Genius, and like comment and share so other people can find out about this and we'll keep doing stuff that's going to be interesting for you again it'll get better and better because that's how i roll on the next show we're going to talk about the 60s i'm going to have mickey dolan's on from the monkeys hey hey with the monkeys which would be a great interview and then also just some really amazing things about the 60s you didn't know and about the monkeys and if you're like who the hell's the monkeys then uh, there's some stuff there that's going to blow your mind too and that's how we're going to keep rolling. We're going to interview celebrities. We're going to talk about amazing, interesting things, kind of like coast to coast meets, uh, you know, two drunk girls or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I do like that, drunk girls. But you guys have a great and amazing week. Again, like, follow, share, link, bootleg, I don't know, whatever. Whatever you need to do, do it and tell people about the show. Go to Facebook, Water Cooler Genius. And here's your fun fact for today. Impress your friends. Think about this. There's only one letter, one letter in the English alphabet that is not in the name of a U.S. state. Hmm. Good one to stump your friends with. You're sitting there thinking, well, what letter could it be that's not in the name of a U.S. state? Uh, it could be like J is a weird letter. No, no, because you got J's like in New Jersey. Um, think of my Scrabble letters. X. Nope. 
because you got X in Texas and in New Mexico as X. You're like, okay, it's got to be Z. No, Arizona, where I'm from, so I know that one. So the only letter that is not in the name of a U.S. state is Q. So there's one to mess with your buddies with, maybe make a few bucks on buying some drinks or whatever. Again, be good, stay safe, take care, have some happiness out there, go have a couple of drinks, and, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be from the water cooler, but you too, by listening, can remain and become a water cooler genius. See you later.